Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning once again. My name is Bruce. So summer is here. The first day of summer was this week, and it's a good time to go to the beach. I was uh, at Huntington Beach last night enjoying, you know, the ocean and, and a bonfire. I've got some friends who are avid surfers, and just like seeing a picture of the ocean gets them like excited to go surfing. I want you to call a social surfer. I, I, I don't think I've ever been surfing by myself. Uh, usually it's, you know, friends saying, hey, let's go surfing, and I'll just say, sounds good. If you bring an extra board, then I'll go. And for me, a good day is, you know, small waves. You know, it's pretty easy to paddle out. A rough day for me is big waves, and they just come rolling in. You know, I, I just, I don't have the skill or the ability or sometimes the motivation <laughs> to get all the way out. You know, when you're, going, when you're paddling out and the waves are crashing in, you could, you, I just use up all my energy just trying to get outside of the wave break. And uh, I'll be just like paddling and it'll get smashed by a wave, paddle again. I'm just like, my, my arms are getting exhausted. And I'll see some old surfer guy like catch five waves in the amount of time that it takes me just to get out. Uh, but when I finally get back on shore, I just feel totally spent and exhausted. It's like all of my energy has just seeped out into the ocean. It's drifting away. Sometimes our life can be like our beautiful Pacific Ocean. Uh, you can be out there in the water, and in between sets of waves, it can be calm and peaceful. Things go all right. But then when a big set of waves comes rolling in, uh, you can get pounded around. You can get smashed one after another. Just waves come rolling in. You can get knocked around, and, and it just wears you out. And actually, this feeling that we have of, you know, what happens in life is consistent with what the Bible says. Uh, it says, people are born for trouble as readily as sparks fly up from a fire. As we were having a fire on the beach last night, and there's, you know, bonfires all over Huntington, sparks are flying up. Uh, these things go hand in hand. When, as soon as you have a fire, you've got, you're going to have sparks. If you have life, you're going to have trouble. That's, those just go hand in hand. And it can be pressure and stress, or it can be Real uh, devastating loss. Or, or, or the, the, just the trouble is that things break, or your body breaks, or relationships get funky and messed up. Or sometimes, you know, the trouble we have in life is just like a big wave every once in a while. Sometimes you get caught in a season of trouble, and just it won't let up. It's rolling in. And so we get worn down and depleted and trained. We're in the third and final message of our series called Sustained. And we're asking the big question, what sustains us in life? And not just for a day or, or even a week, but what sustains us for decades of just a good uh, quality life? Uh, one other constant thing that we experience in life is people. People are all around us. Uh, you got people at home. There's people at work. There's all kinds of people on the freeway. Uh, there's people in stores. You got family members and friends all over the place. And it feels at times... Sometimes it might feel like the needs and the demands of the people around us might be a factor in us feeling worn down. And so one approach to handling that dynamic might be to clam up. You know, clam just closes and nothing gets in or out. Uh, you know, we may think, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling drained and exhausted, so I, I need to resist the demands of others. I don't want to be hassled. Just, you know, give me some peace. Or, or if I can just protect enough me time. I just need me time, all right? <laughs> then I can build up enough energy to make it through. Uh, 
That's, that's one approach. One, on the other hand, maybe uh, just feeling drained and depleted, uh, we may look to other people to fill us back up. And maybe it's like a tick that latches onto a dog and draws its sustenance that way. You know, we can develop an expectation on other people that they're going to meet our needs if we latch on. You know, I may, I may think, I'm feeling worn down, okay? And, and I, I need someone else to, to, to refresh me, to encourage me, and to help me have a good time. The problem with both of these approaches, uh, especially when it comes to handling, you know, relationships and people, well, clams, they live salty, isolated lives, and that's no fun. <laughs> uh, as for the ticks, imagine if you had two people doing this, two people having expectation that they're going to meet each other's needs. It's kind of like having two ticks and no dog. They just suck the life out of each other. <laughs> so that's not a good strategy. There's, a pro- there's an approach that's different than both of these. There's an approach that helps us to find joy and delight in our relationships and at the same time tap into a source of energy that sustains us in life. The Bible describes it this way. One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, meaning without any real good reason, but comes to poverty. Now, this is very interesting. It's basically saying, you know, if I, I give away, I just get, I give away, I just toss things out there, I'm going to somehow end up with more. It kind of feels like math that doesn't work out. You know, you, you learn this. <laughs> you learn how subtraction works in middle school. Uh, and, and in this verse, there's, there's kind of a financial aspect to this. But I think it's more than that, more than just money. We, we, there's other things we can give away. Another verse. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, this is interesting. This is neither climbing up nor latching on to people. This is just giving out. This, is, this idea of just you know, you know, giving it freely, refreshing other people, this is expending ourselves, giving our time. Just giving time, giving up our energy, the best part of our focus, giving up our, some of our resources materially for the benefit of others. We normally think, I've, I've got to watch out for myself. I've got to watch out for number one. Uh, you know, this idea, give, 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 yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. This, I already feel depleted and drained. I, I don't have any more to give. You know, how about refresh other people? How about they refresh me first? And then, then maybe I'll think about being a refreshment. The truth is, we're not designed to be clams or ticks. <laughs> there, there's, there's actually a bigger family that we're designed to be a part of. Not a dysfunctional family, not that, but a family that's full of grace and goodwill, a family that works together, and while it's working together, it's a joy to be a part of. It's a, it's a pleasure. When we yield our control of our lives to Jesus Christ, something amazing happens. All of a sudden, we acknowledge Jesus as the one who died on the cross for our benefit. You know, he, he effectively, he became the sacrifice for us. Uh, he stood in our place. You know, we have sin and wrongdoing that needs to be paid for. And he, he stood that, and he removed all the off, obstacles that stood between us and God. And, and when we yield to him as Lord, we get a new father. God himself becomes our father, our spiritual father. And other believers become our brothers and sisters. This is what we were made for. The Bible describes this family idea like a body. And so uh, here's what it says in the book of Romans. It, just as each of us has one body with many members, so, so you've got a body and the members, you know, meaning heart, lungs, you know, hand, feet, eyes, mouth, 
we all have, you all have a body, I have a body, different body parts. And these members or these body parts don't all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So people in the family of God belong to each other, and this is a good thing. This is known as the body of Christ. You might not have quite experienced this dynamic and this connection and this closeness. Uh, maybe you're still investigating what it means to make Jesus the Lord and then give him control. Or maybe you have yielded to Jesus as your Lord, but you haven't quite joined up with the family in a real significant way. What we've been looking at throughout this message series is, is different ways that God sustains us. And, and if we review this series so far, you know, the first week we looked at God sustains us as we steadily consume his word. Bit by bit, you know, page by page, you know, we, we just consume it and digest and think about and apply it in the Bible. And then we looked at last week, God sustains us as we pray in the spirit. And so we connect with him. We, we develop a deep, intimate friendship with God. We can do that through prayer. And then now what we're looking at is, the, is that God sustains us also when we expend ourselves for people and for the body of Christ as we expend ourselves. So as we've discussed these different resources that God provides us to give us energy and sustenance, we, did, we, we talked about Bible and prayer first. And those, those are incredible, life-giving resources that God makes available to us. You know, people in the spiritual family, you know, the body of Christ. But what does, he, what does he give us the Bible and prayer for? One of the reasons is that he fills us up, he sustains us, so we can then turn around and invest deeply in other people. We can expend ourselves for the good of others as a result. And so what's amazing is that being a part of the body of Christ is itself a sustaining resource. And that's why those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed because God steps in and he starts overseeing and caring for us himself. We become his children, sons and daughters. And so that means I don't have to watch out for number one because honestly I can't do it all that great anyway. God is so much better at taking care of me. He knows all, you know, far better what I really need in life to grow. And so we're created for so much more than just to take care of ourselves. That, that confusing math of I give away, somehow I end up with more, it gets addressed this way. When we expend ourselves for others, we're also releasing that pesky chore of sustaining ourselves, you know, of micromanaging our energy, making sure I just get right enough hours of sleep and I, I protect my ability to endure. Because when I'm scrambling to, to refresh and take care of myself, and I'm drawing protective boundaries around my life and my schedule and my money, and I just protect everything, that's a never-ending, unsatisfying pursuit anyway. It doesn't work out that great. Being a part of this body of Christ is a sustaining resource, but it only works if there's an inflow and an outflow. This is a picture of the Dead Sea. This is east of the Mediterranean, uh, Nothing can live in the Dead Sea. It's about ten times as salty as the ocean. And, and the reason for that, there's a lot of water that pours in, primarily from the Jordan River, and it also has some perennial springs underneath it. But the Dead Sea has no outlets. Stuff funnels in, gets salty. Basically, the Dead Sea is all about itself. <laughs> it's stagnant and dead. The Sea of Galilee, on the other hand, just about 80 miles north, has a constant flow of water in and then out of it as well. And so the water here is highly oxygenated, and it sustains rich and abundant life. It's actually been a part of sustaining life in this part of the world for centuries. 
In a similar way, if all we have is input, even if it's Bible and prayer, we can become stagnant too. We need to have spiritual outlets in order to be healthy. And so here's, here's what this could look like. Here's some different ways that we can expend ourselves. Uh, one way is to invest deeply in church relationships. The Bible shows us a picture of this in the book of Hebrews. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You, have this, you get this idea of uh, people interacting and, and being a help. There's this mutual benefit happening. And, and really, this is the, a word to describe this is fellowship. This mutual uh, you know, giving back to one another and helping each other. It's really what a lot of people, I think, have in mind when they use the word community. And for some people to do this, what it, what it is going to take is sacrificing somewhat on my time. You know, giving up some of my time to invest in relationships. You heard about summer groups. That's a great example. Maybe your schedule changes up a little bit this summer. You may want to invest in relationships that way. For others, maybe it's not so much finding the time. The real challenge, the real sacrifice to invest deeply is to open up your life. And it can be really hard to actually reveal things about myself and let other people know who I really am or know what I'm really going through. That can be a real challenge. So as we're thinking through this idea of how do I invest in relationships, um, get time with people, one question that usually comes to mind pretty quickly is, well, who do I want to spend time with? Who's fun? Like, who, do I, who, who helps me? Who, who benefits me? Who do I like? Who's like me? A better question to ask is, who has God placed in my life right now? There's people in your life already. God's put there. You know, it could be at work, a family, but even also in church, in, in a group or a team, there's people around you that God has placed there. You know, I've often, so often, I've been surprised by the people that God uses to help and encourage and refresh me. Sometimes it's people totally different than me, and I, I wasn't even thinking about it, but it's people that God has put around me in relationship, and, and it's been a huge benefit. So far, no one person has been able to perfectly meet my needs. And so it's so important that as we do this, uh, as we serve others, we're looking ultimately to God for his help and sustenance. Another way that we expend ourselves is by participating in the ministry. I love the description of the body in this verse here. It says, from him, the whole body, so from Jesus, the whole body. You know, imagine this, a group of people just like this, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. You have these different, you know, different people or a part of this thing. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So what happens to parts of the body that aren't doing their work? Well, according to this, uh, there's going to be an absence of growth. You know, Without doing the work, there's, we're not being built up. We're not being held together in that strong, supportive way. It's like having, you know, in, in a physical body, it's like having weak muscles and ligaments. One way to do this, to do this, you know, participating in this investment in, in the church is to commit as a member. And so we have a membership process here. You heard very briefly about it in our announcements. Membership, one of the reasons we have membership is, is there's some opportunity for people to just to make, to, you know, put a stake in the ground, make some commitments and we know who we can count on to help us move the mission forward and be a part of the team. Another way to do this is to join up as a volunteer on one of our, our volunteer teams, or we call them ministry teams. A lot of life and relationships flow while we're doing the work together. It's not just punching in a, in a clock, but there's a lot of life that happens. Because we're, we're people on mission together, and actually a lot of information flows through our ministry teams as well because there's people in it. And so sometimes it may be that someone takes a break from serving or being involved in a volunteer way, and they start feeling disconnected 
like just from people, and they, and they feel out of the loop. Maybe there's things happening and there's information being shared, but they, they just keep hearing about it too late because a lot of just life and information flows through as we're working together. So we can each play a very important and needed role in the ministry here. And then one third way that we can expend ourselves is to bring others to Jesus. When the Christian church was first getting started, they shared so many aspects of life together. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So sometimes, you know, there, there were groups of people that would join up and, and be a part of the church and, and become Christians. Sometimes it was hundreds, sometimes thousands at a time. And what was happening is Christians at that time were, were being very warm and inviting and inclusive and just sharing about the good news that they had. And, and people just were attracted to that. They wanted, they wanted to join up. And, and so it wasn't, you know, a, a, you know a, a insider's club only. It was, not, it was never that. It's never meant to be that. You know, the, the term that we have for this kind of dynamic is evangelism, where we, we, we let people know about the incredible life and good news we have in Jesus and, and how to find that and how to find our way to God. And they can participate in this way. Right now, there are people all around us, around me in my life and in your life, ready to take a step towards God in some way. There's people ready to do that. And even if it doesn't seem like it, sometimes things look good on the outside and things are put together, but people are ready to take a step towards God. And I think God wants us to participate in sharing our story of faith in Jesus Christ and invite others to experience life in him as well. And life is a part of a church body and family like this. So God sustains us when we expend ourselves for people in the body of Christ. One concern that may surface in, in when you're thinking about this is, you know, if I go ahead and I do these things, let's say I, I really pour out, I expend myself, I invest relationally, I participate, I volunteer, I do all these things, I'm going to get ripped off. I'm going to get burned. And, and that may be a thought because maybe that's happened. Maybe there was a time when this happened in another group or church or experience or some other group of people. And if that's happened, if that has happened to you, then I don't, know, I don't know what all the details are leading up to that, but I do know that God cares very deeply for you and me. He never wastes a hurt. He's going to use that. And we can't let those experiences embitter us and turn us inward. That just allows the pain of that difficulty to just become a constant part of life, you know, cutting us off from this sustaining resource. We can't let the painful season from, from before become the thing that defines us for the rest of our lives. Doing these things of investing deeply in this way, it, it anchors us into a body of people. And in turn, God uses those very same people to help and sustain us, especially when those waves come crashing in and they start, you know, the, the, it's pounding and tumbling. If we invest a little, then we get a little support. But if we invest deeply, we grow roots that God uses to stabilize and to help us. Early on when I was married, we were married for a few years and we were ready to start having kids. Uh, we got pregnant and then our first pregnancy ended in miscarriage. And that was a real difficulty. It was a, a totally new experience for us, figuring out how to handle that sadness and loss. But we, want, we wanted to continue. So uh, the Lord blessed us with another pregnancy and we had our first daughter. It was such a joy and excitement. 
a lot of fun. We continued on. We wanted to have more kids, so the uh, Lord blessed us with another pregnancy. But this one ended in miscarriage again. And that was hard all over again. And we continued on, and then the Lord blessed us with a boy, my first son. And so we had two kids now, and it was, it was such an excitement for us. Wanted to still have more kids, so, so we, we kept going, and the Lord blessed us with another pregnancy again. And then this ended in a third miscarriage, and that was hard again. It was handling it. It's not like you, you go through it and then it gets easier. It's hard every time. It's, each time it's a deep, painful loss, like that pounding set of waves rolling in over a, a long stretch of time. And to my shock, this third miscarriage, it happened uh, when we were away. We were on a missions trip serving another church in California, one of our network churches. And I was leading a team of people from here up there. It, you know, so we, you know, we carved out a week. Uh, we got babysitting, all taken care of for our two kids. We carved out the time and the money and, and really invested in this. And this happens right in the middle of it, right in the middle of it. My wife, she... What could she do? She bore that pain, and she was really hurting. And she didn't want me to be distracted, though, from the job I had of leading the team. And, and we still had we still had work to do, so she didn't make much of herself. And one real bright spot on that trip was the way that our teammates and then the other people from that church just came around us, and, and really was a huge help and support during that time. It was it was one real just exciting thing to experience in the middle of, of a dark time. So the tally at this point are, it was we had two kids and three losses. We, we still wanted more kids, and so we, we went on, and, and the Lord blessed us with another pregnancy again. And this one was strong and healthy, and it was, it was exciting. It was, we, we had progressed past the time when the other losses had happened. And so it seemed like we were in good shape, you know, in the clear, so to speak, and, you know, felt like it was going well, and, and we got an ultrasound. We saw uh, the baby on the screen. We found out he was a boy, and, it, uh, and honestly, it was one of the best ultrasound pictures we got. It looks like he's just waving <laughs> in the picture. Just a great, exciting time for us to find out that information, and uh, a couple weeks later, Erin went in for her 20-week appointment, so it's halfway through the, this pregnancy, She's sitting there. The ultrasound tech is taking some assessments. Something doesn't seem right. Ultrasound tech, she you know, leaves and comes back. She's not communicating a lot. And Aaron texts me. She's like, something doesn't seem right. And given our history, it's you know, pretty concerning. Aaron had three verses memorized. And so she, just was, she was just soaking in those, rotating those in her mind, just clinging, you know, clenching onto those verses for, for perspective and hope overcome emotions, and she prayed. She also prayed and drew close to God. And she tangibly felt God draw close to her. So in a very real way, sitting by herself in a hospital room, God was sustaining her for the news that that little boy inside of her no longer had a heartbeat. So she found that out. She fell apart and you know, came home. I, I came home. It was very traumatic. Again, this was this was the deepest loss because of everything that was wrapped at the time and in the focus, everything that was wrapped up. So we're, we're reeling from from that, trying to figure out how to recover from that, and having to take the next painful step, which was induce a delivery. We, you know, babies needs to come out. 
So we scheduled that, and the uh, baby was delivered. So we held the baby and got to see him. We named him Shane Amos Wood, and, and that name means carried by a gracious God, you know, that God graciously carried him to heaven. And uh, he, he was just a few inches. You know, you could, we could hold him, you know, wrap him up in a, in a little blanket. You could hold him in his hand, in, in my hand, intact, his whole body intact. And uh, we could even see his eye color was the same eye color as um, our first daughter. It's kind of like a grayish-blue color. And it's really hard to describe the emotions when, you, when you're sitting there. It just, it just, it's, it's conflicting feelings that you have, you know, holding this lifeless baby. It was deep sadness and grief. And so we came home from labor and delivery, which we had done before. Normally, normally when we come home, we come home with a baby. This time we come home with no baby. And that's gut-wrenching, you know, devastating. So it took days and weeks, and, and then st- still, it's been, you know, a few years. But you can't eliminate the pain. So my wife Erin and I, we, we want to share this story to, to be a help, especially at the conclusion of, of a, a message series like this, because we've been focused on Bible and prayer and people, people of God. And those things are real. God is totally real. God is present with us. And this stuff is real life. If, you know, these resources, I, I wholeheartedly believe that these things intersect real life. Because if I didn't believe that the Bible and praying and God are real, it, we would rely upon ourselves. And, and we would have tr- tried to find some source of inner peace or strength or power or tap into something inside of us that would help us get through. If we would have gone that route, I'm sure we probably would have gotten stuck in grief and sadness, and, and uh, what that would have resulted in is the grief just means we, you know, we just would walk backwards into the future, not able to fully participate in life because it's a shadow that just hangs over everything. Or, you know, maybe not that, or, or maybe we would have gotten bitter towards God because honestly, you know, we, we've been doing everything you've told us to do, like what, and you let all this stuff happen, like so many times, like come on. Or, we might have got caught up in anxiety, just like, what, well, what if it happens again? Can we walk through that again? Or, or what, our kids now, what if something happens to them? And, you know, anxiety. Uh, that, 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 those are things that we, we wrestle against and, and try to overcome. There was nothing natively inside of us, no internal sense of power we could tap into that would carry us through. It was God himself who sustained us and is bringing good. We relied heavily upon Bible verses that we had memorized for, for hope. You've got, you got to cling to something for perspective. And we relied heavily upon prayer, just staying close to God, just expressing to him, communicating, you know, getting communication from him to be present and close with us. And people. For me, one aspect of this whole experience that has brought tears to my eyes even this morning, I was reflecting, I was thinking through some of this, and I was just remembering some of the story. And again, just tears come to my eyes when I think about the response of care and the sacrifice of people for us during this time. I, I wish I could just tell you all the stories. It would, it, there's so many stories. You know, when we got home from labor and delivery, someone had taken our kids so we could just have some time. And they, while we were gone, they cleaned our house top to bottom, and there was a huge gift basket on the table. But in the weeks to come, there, there's people provided hugs and tears, texts, phone calls, meals, flowers, gifts for our kids, just money, help. Just People would give us space, 
Some people would take initiative. Some people would just go out on, out on a limb to reach out. Others would share their own stories of loss and difficulty. And, and people just did different things. And it reminds me so much. I, I thought during that time a lot of the verse we just read in Romans. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. One of the sacrifices that, that we can all make, that you and I can make, to be a part of a body like this, we have to be willing to invite people into the pain. When, when you go through loss, people don't always know exactly what to say. And honestly, sometimes people say and do things that aren't all that helpful. But it's okay. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it needs to be okay for things to get messy when you're going through this stuff. When the waves are pounding in and they just come rolling in, the natural thing is to withdraw. Just, I'm going to go into my corner. I'm going to clam up. Or I'm, going to, I'm going to shut down. I'm not letting anybody in. Grieving in a community like this is very different because it requires that we're open and we're honest with each other. So what we discovered in that time was this strong base of support that we had from other people that had grown out of years of investment in this church and also in the church network we were part of. Over the years, we've just been working at how do, you, how do you do this thing of expending ourselves? How do we figure out to, to refresh other people and not be so focused on refreshing ourselves? How do we do this? Working on that for years, and my goodness, it feels like we have received so much more than we've put in, especially walking through this. God has so deeply used this body and these people just to help, just to provide practical, real, life-giving refreshment and help. How could anyone go through pain and loss and difficulty without that kind of support. I know people do it all the time, but I don't, I, I don't know what happens on the inside of you if you don't have the support. I, I don't think we realize the impact of, of that caring support from people until you really need it. Because so many people walked with us through the difficulty in that valley of loss, there was a lot of people also who walked with us when we had our third and fourth kids as well who have brought so much delight and joy to our lives. We learned a lot about God's grace and his goodness together with other people, and we shared that too. I'd like to invite the worship team back to the stage. One thing that, that we can't do is, is we can't sacrifice for other people and invest and you know, give freely because we think that other people are going to save us from trouble because that's not going to happen. We expend ourselves because we trust God ultimately to be the one to take care of us, and we trust him to right all the wrongs in the end. And I believe he will. Other people experience deep loss and pain. Plenty of people have experienced things a lot more difficult than I have. But, but the, the difficulty, you know, experiencing loss, that's not a unique thing. You, you and I, we have the ability to empathize with each other because we all go through loss and trouble. And it's kind of, we all have our own pounding waves that come through life that's just wired into life. But we can live with a steadiness and even a joy that you can't find anywhere else in the world because God has made available some resources to us. God, or the Bible, and prayer, and community. And those three things, they work together. We've got to draw upon all three of those things continually, daily. Some people might skip right over God, prayer, and Bible, and they go right to the people part, and then they say, you know... People, they just need to help me out. If they would just give me what I need. Or maybe, maybe they, a person may have a connection with God and invest with God in some way, but they, they overlook the impact of being tied in to God's family in a deep, sacrificial way. 
We need all three of these things. And in light of this, you might consider taking a next step. Maybe you're thinking for the first time, I'd really like to ask Jesus to be my Savior and the ruler of my life. It all starts right there. All all the the help and the joy and the sustenance and, and just the hope for eternal life beyond this world starts with that one important decision. Or maybe what I need to do is drop my expectations on other people and just start serving. And that's hard to do because we all have expectations. It seems like the people you're closest to are the ones you have the most expectations on. Uh, We can start serving. Or maybe what I need to do is join a group, like a summer group or or a team and volunteer, and expend myself for the benefit of the church. Uh, Summer groups are here. You know, ministry teams always need help, need more help. You know, you could think through this summer, how can I prioritize relationships? How can I make space in my schedule in my life for unrushed time with people? The help that we get first flows out of the the deep investment that we make. If we invest little, we receive little support. What are are the other things that you might spend your time on? We're all busy people. We're very, very busy people. But we all have discretionary time. We all have pockets of free time. You know, sometimes a few minutes, sometimes a few hours, sometimes a day off here and there. We can invest our time in a lot of things, but there's three things you can invest your time in that are eternal, which means they have a long, long impact. And those are God, His Word, and people. These three things we can keep investing our time in. There's no limit on it, and it builds into eternity. God, you know, through prayer and worship, the Bible by steadily reading and applying it, and then people by loving, serving, and this investing and helping grow. We can get a lot of joy as we spend time on any of these three things, and it just becomes a valuable investment. And so after we place ourselves under the control of Jesus and we let him govern and direct our lives, I think God desires for us to have a hope in the good things that we'll find in eternity and let that color the way that we view everything else. Every, every decision and step and conversation and thing that you do in a day, this, this perspective of eternity ought to color it. Here's one of the verses that has been a, a real stabilizing sense of support for Aaron and I. It's, I'm still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We believe that we will see those four children. We lost four children, we have four. Uh, right now, God's personally caring for those kids that we lost. And, and they're, they're in, a, in heaven now. So wait for the Lord. This this waiting for the Lord has this idea of hopeful expectation. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. And wait for the Lord. So we wait with eager expectation and hope for what's to come. I'd like to lead us in prayer. Father, we would be utterly lost without you. Thank you for sending Jesus to be the light and the life to us in the darkness of this world. There's darkness in our hearts too, and... Jesus' death has washed us clean and leads us to life. And so we thank you, Lord, for the tender care that you have for us, the way that you love us. I pray that uh, you would help us to recognize your spiritual resources for what they are. We, we cannot contain, uh, sustain ourselves. And anytime we try to do that, we just make a mess of things. So give us the motivation and the ability to, to draw from the Bible and prayer and, and the people of God. And would you build this group here, this group of people, into a strong growing congregation of men and women who trust you and follow you wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.